Last week, we talked about leading for tasks versus ideas and leadership. This week, we got a question for you. What are you really offering? After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. A while back, I was working with a friend. We'll call her Stephanie. Um, She is a phenomenal woman who was living overseas in Asia, uh, working with uh, just the younger kids of the city that she was in. Um, She was coming over back to the U.S. stateside, and I was helping her put together an event. Um, And I was supposed to intro her and then do the outro, doing the final ask for money. And I kept saying, "So, so what is it? that you're offering? Like, what is it that you're trying to do? And she kept going back to what she was doing for the kiddos that she was helping, which I mean, is an awesome, it was an awesome thing. But I kept asking, I said, no, 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 why, why should people give? Like, I understand that what the organization is doing, but what's in it for the giver? And she said, they, they should just give if they have money, they should give. And I said, no, 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 like, but what is it? Like, what's in it for them? Um, Is it that they're going to feel good about themselves? Is it that they're going to, like, walk away knowing that they made a difference? Is it that they get to, are you trying to show them, here's how to leave a legacy by impacting people in your family, but then also outside your family? Like, what is the story and what are you offering the people? And she just kept saying, if they have the resources, they should give them because the kids are worth it. And I find this a lot with a lot of organizations. We work with organizations to teach them how to craft that final giving statement and explain what you're doing so that people feel comfortable and confident donating. Um, But a lot of times when I ask an organization, what are you offering? They very, very, very clearly know what they are offering to the people they are trying to help. However, when I ask the question, what are you offering? They rarely know what it is that they're offering to the volunteers into the donors, into the key supporters of the organization. So today we're having a conversation about what is your organization really offering? It's a really, really smart topic to think about because we have this um, condition as nonprofit leaders where we know what we're trying to do to help change the world, Mm -hmm. but we have this curse of knowledge that keeps us from being able to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who isn't yet a part of the organization, who doesn't have the passion yet, who doesn't have uh, that need to change the world in this specific way that's driving them, right? And so all of our marketing, all of our uh, requests for donations, all of our vision casting, all of our Uh, bringing on volunteers, all of the ways that we inspire people is all coming from our strange bubble where we're really weird. We lead this organization. We actually, we have so much passion for it, but we don't have a good way to communicate it because we are kind of unable to put ourselves in the shoes of people who aren't in our shoes. And talking about what you're really offering is a great way to kind of burst that bubble and to think, think a little bit more outside, how am I going to talk to someone who hasn't even heard of 
this issue yet or who hasn't even heard of the country I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned the curse of knowledge because that's something that, you know, you kind of get in this mindset of everyone just knows. Everyone knows this is an issue. But I think there's also a curse of passion where we assume that Mm. because we know about it and we care about it, if we tell someone one fact about it, they're going to be as on fire as we are. Um, And sometimes we approach things from that angle, forgetting that people haven't taken the journey that we've been on, haven't experienced what we've experienced, aren't seeing what we're seeing. And I remember one time I really frustrated a nonprofit leader. And I asked, what does your organization do? And they said, oh, we help kit. This is a different organization. But they're like, we help families with a couple things. And I said, but how? They're like, well, we just help them. I'm like, no, but like, how do you help them? <laughs> and they gave me a couple examples of projects. I was like, okay, so do you always do those projects? Like, like, how do you help them? And I could tell that I was frustrating the leader. And I really wasn't attempting to be frustrating. I can do that, but I wasn't. (laughs) But I was just trying to, like, figure out what they were doing just to get an initial idea of what their nonprofit was. And it was interesting because not only did they have the curse of knowledge, but they also had the curse of passion. Um, They had this, they they knew so much and they felt like I should just innately understand. And they cared so much that they felt like I should just innately care. And when we approach people like that, a lot of times people who could be potential sponsors, donors, um, supporters, volunteers, those people who rally around us, when we approach them assuming that you should already know and you should already care, a lot of times it puts people on the defense a little bit and they don't know how to connect with what you're trying to tell them. Even if they want to connect. Even if they want to. It could be tough for people to actually make that connection when they feel like there's this innate sort of disconnect. Like... There's some sort of learning curve that it's too steep for me, so I can't really be involved with this, and you're not helping me to to break down that learning curve a little bit. It's an interesting uh, problem, but I think it's so important. So, how what are what are some steps? Let's talk about maybe getting introspective about our organizations for a second and thinking first and foremost, like what are we actually offering? How do we start to break that down? One of the things that comes to mind right away is I think we have like established a clear line in the sand when it's like, what are we offering to the people we're trying to help? And then kind of push that stuff off to the side, because while those can be motivating factors for the people who are wanting to help you help those people, it's not going to be the same motivation. It might Mm -hmm. be some data that they can work with, but it's not going to be the same drive necessarily, unless you can help them make that connection. So first establishing what is it that we're trying to do for the people or the cause that we're trying to help. Write that stuff down or put that stuff and then kind of set it off to the side because those aren't the answer. Mm -hmm. They are immediately not the answer unless the people you're trying to help are the people who are also donating. And then that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. And that's usually, usually not the case. Yeah. That's usually a little hard to, yeah. So if you start by thinking about, you know, the people that you're trying to help and what you are offering them, Ted's right. Write it down and set it off to the side and then move into the next position. Maybe it's volunteers. When it comes to the volunteers, what are you offering them? Mm-hmm. And this can be a whole bunch of different things. Maybe the volunteers that you tend to draw into your organization because of your passion are people who came from a background where they relate to the people that you're helping. Mm-hmm. And so what you're giving them is a chance to for them to use their story to rescue other people. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a Give, huge thing to offer people. Yeah, giving them like a, a chance for like maybe like healing or kind of like restitution or whatever that might be. Uh, a great example of this is uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. You know, people who have gone through the program and have found freedom from alcoholism then turn around and they're able to help other people that are going through the program. And it's actually part of their recovery is to help other people. And so that's what they're getting out of it, right? They're, they're, yes, they're being altruistic, but there's no such thing as 100% altruism. There's always going to be some sort of self-serving motive in there. Otherwise, people just wouldn't do it. I think is uh, there's a there's a really um, famous story, and maybe I'm kind of messing this up, but Abraham Lincoln tells a story about pigs stuck in the mud, and this guy pulls over to help the pigs out of the mud, and he's talking about like you know wow, what an altruistic person. And Abraham Lincoln or whoever he's talking to, this is probably just a fable anyway. It probably didn't really happen. (laughs) But he was like, he wasn't really being selfless. He rescued the pigs because he wanted to feel good about himself and feel like he was a hero. Mm -hmm. Like he's not actually, you know, being, you know, self-sacrifice is kind of a weird misnomer because you are getting something Mm -hmm. out of the deal. And so... As nonprofit leaders, we have to recognize, like, yes, it feels good to be altruistic and to say, oh, no, I'm just doing this because whatever. We have to realize and, and come to terms with the truth that, like, there are selfish motives and it's it's OK. <laughs> it's OK because you can't get around them. They are going to be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. So what are the what are the things that people are getting out of being a part? Well, and this whole idea of in order for something to truly be generous, it has to come from a place of suffering. Um, it's just kind of a weird stance anyway, because if you have someone that comes to your organization, they're like, man, I just feel good about myself when I'm done. If your response to them is ever, well, you shouldn't, or, you know, like, really? <laughs> Get you out of here. You feel good? You think it's you about you? You don't feel you? like trash? <laughs> like, they will find a different organization to volunteer with. So we need to be careful that we aren't judging the fact that the people who are giving are also the people who are receiving a lot of the time. Maybe totally. what you're offering the volunteers is a sense of community um, or somewhere that they can use some of their gifts and talents. Maybe they have work that they're doing that isn't quite fulfilling and they just want, they're like, man, I really like um, maybe just organizing gift bags. And I my job doesn't do that. And I get to come here and I get to put together little bags for different people in the community. I don't know what it is, but you are offering them something. And if you cannot figure out what you are offering them, you're going to have a hard time communicating with them um, and really helping them understand that what they do is valuable, yes, to the people and yes, to the cause, but also for themselves. And it it's actually a value add to their own lives to participate in something bigger than themselves. Right. And when you get honest with it, it just makes it so much easier to and you get honest with the people like, hey, when you volunteer here, you're going to you're going to feel really good afterward. Like, and it's okay to like lean into that. I know for for some reason, maybe it's just like a Midwestern thing, but it seems like giving and volunteering is always this sort of like self uh, emulating, like you're beating yourself sort of situation. And and you're like, and it's like, no, it's actually, it's, it, it builds you up and it's a good thing. And then that should be kind of the selling point. It's almost like thinking about the, proposition to somebody to be a part of your organization through giving, serving, whatever, is a sales process. And Mm -hmm. you want to meet them where they are and help them come along the process. Like you would never buy a a, a refrigerator 
if the sales pitch was, well, you should just have a refrigerator. You should. Have I can't one. believe Why I can't believe you, you don't one? have one. <laughs> like you're a bad person if you don't have a refrigerator. It's like okay, but no, they talk about the benefits of having a refrigerator. Oh, it'll make my meat last longer. Mm-hmm. You know. But um, I was thinking about this too. Another thing that could really be being offered to uh, volunteers and people in the organization is training, like learning stuff, learning mm-hmm. things on the job. This is why having a volunteer position looks so good on resumes, which again, this is another thing you could be helping people with, right? Like, hey, we'll write letters of recommendation. Like we actually want to invest in you because you're investing in the cause. It's why it looks so good on uh, resumes because they know that while they care about their community, but they also, they have experience, like they have basically on the job experience with several types of things. Mm -hmm. I once had a volunteer who wanted to grow in her work position, um, but the next level up was public speaking. Not to like huge amounts of people, but just like leading meetings and little things. And she was so nervous. And so even though the volunteer role that she was in with me didn't have anything to do with speaking, I was like, wait, that that's a skill you want? I can create opportunity for you to speak in front of three or four people. Or when I hold this little meeting, I'm going to pass it over to you and just let you talk for a couple of minutes just to get used to it. Mm-hmm. And so even though what I was offering her wasn't, it had nothing to do with the organization that she was volunteering at, honestly, um, I was offering her something that she looked at and said, wow, I get to help a cause I care about. And it's helping me in my professional life. It's helping me grow as a person. And it's helping me grow as an individual and as a person. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can be offering. And what you're offering changes position to position and person to person. And so what you're offering a volunteer who's maybe helping pack food is going to be different than maybe the volunteer that is helping do some administrative work. Um, and maybe you're offering the same thing. Maybe it's really your organization is super community driven. Um, but it might be a little bit different depending on the person's personalities as well. So just something to be aware of. I think a lot of organizations sell themselves short when it comes to what they're offering to their volunteers, leaders, staff, um, donators, supporters, sponsors, and they really don't need to be selling themselves short. They have, uh, nonprofit organizations especially, have great networking connection opportunities for people who want to just increase their influence in the world uh, so that they can do better and greater things. Uh, nonprofits have hugely amazing uh, training and skill building and leadership development opportunities. And the great thing about it is that nonprofits are so needing the help because honestly the the issues are usually way bigger than that one nonprofit can do anyway mm-hmm. that they're willing to say hey you know what we're going to come alongside you and help you grow into this where a lot of jobs will be like you don't already have the experience sorry you're out of here and a nonprofit is able to do that and kind of call that out of people and see like for me um, as a musician I was invested in, as a musician, I was basically getting free guitar lessons from people, free drum lessons from people, and then also opportunities to perform in front of people, in Mm -hmm. front of small groups of people, uh, in front of kids, in front of students, and then in front of adults. Like it, It grew me as a professional musician to the point where I was eventually able to get a job at a larger church, where I was able to lead worship for thousands of people and not and not have zero skills when I went in. Like it was, it was a development process that was only possible because of a nonprofit situation. Cause I can't imagine 
a bar hiring me at 13 years old to go and play music for people at the bar. Like, no. first of all, that's probably illegal. <laughs> and secondly, uh, it would have been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have had the training and the people partnering with you to help you grow along the way. And so organizations that recognize what they can give um, and then actually put that as their value proposition for the people who want to support yeah. could actually see some really, really great things. And I was going to say this, if you don't do that, I think what happens a lot of times is it resorts back to the lowest common denominator of you should do this, like mm-hmm. guilt is a lowest common denominator, <laughs> or uh, you get a tax write-off. Like, I don't know, like going yeah. going going to the Goodwill and dropping off clothing, This and our local Goodwill, maybe it's different in different parts of the world, but our local Goodwill is like, uh, you drop off clothing and... They're like, hey, okay, you want a tax write-off coupon? And I'm like, no, I don't really want that. Um, what it is for us is like, we don't necessarily think about how we're actually helping people when we go and drop off clothes at the Goodwill because they don't really, they're not marketing that really no, at all. They're so for me, it's kind of like, I, I shouldn't throw this away. So I'm going to bring it to good. Like, that's not but a that's great... even guilt-based. I yeah, just don't yeah, want my trash that's a guilt thing. <laughs> full of trash that isn't really trash. Like, I'm like done if with they it, had, but that's Like, for example, over. if when I drove up to the Goodwill thing and they had pictures of like kids that have like, been helped in some way i don't know exactly what they even do with the money at goodwill <laughs> yeah so like, then i would be like oh my gosh i feel really good about this because i'm helping kids when i drop off clothes it's interesting though because um i think a lot of times we'll create like nonprofit leaders will create a flyer and they're like this is the flyer advertising an event and then they forget to use a different flyer to advertise to volunteers and a different flyer to advertise to people who actually need the help. Like they're like, if I make marketing one time, everything's covered. It's like, no, depending on who it is that you're trying to talk to, people are always asking the question, what's in it for me? And if you cannot communicate that with them, and if what you're giving them does not communicate to them in particular, um, that causes a lot of issues and the issue being well, it's just going to go right over their head care. they're going to say it's it's not for me this event is not for me it's yeah. not for me to volunteer at it's not for me to give to and it's not for me to attend because i need the help and mm-hmm. then they're just not there yep right and so these are really really important things to think through who are you talking to you're talking to supporters are you talking to business owners and you're looking for sponsorships yeah. are you talking to individuals who just want to give out of their wallet. Speaking of, we can talk about what are you offering the people who are contributing financially? A lot of times we don't want to talk about that. Nonprofit leaders, for some reason, are very, they can be skittish about money. I think most people can, but mm-hmm. especially nonprofit leaders, because there's this perception that if you're too focused on the money, it means you don't really care about the cause. Where in reality, for the vast majority of nonprofits, for you to accomplish what it is that you're trying to do, you need the people involved and you need the dollars to make it happen. Mm -hmm. It's just a fact. So you need to be willing to look at what it is that you're doing and know, okay, here's what I'm offering the people who are helping. Here's what I'm offering the people who are coming in and giving up their time. What am I offering the people who are writing me a check? Mm -hmm. There are some fantastic examples of organizations that do this really well think of those uh adopt an orphan in a different country programs where you pay a certain amount a month and the the child will write you letters and you're involved in their life and like all of that stuff that is a real valuable thing that you get you're like hey 
I basically want to, I want to know that I'm helping somebody, but I want to have like tangible, like connection mm-hmm. with the person that I'm helping. And they, and this or these organizations are providing that. And mm-hmm. so that's a, a like a real fungible good <laughs> that is trading hands. And it's okay to say, hey, when you donate, you're going to get this, this, this. You're going to get a free hat and whatever. Like, it's okay to say that kind of stuff because as long as it, you know, matches with what you're trying to accomplish. But right. <laughs> you don't want But it's okay to tell people because of you, here is the outcome. And then to give it to someone in a way where they can actually hold something in their hand um, to remind them, this is the difference that I make. And I have something that is tangible that I can physically feel. I remember a few years ago, um, I gave money to an organization. It was like $20 maybe $10. It was like $10, it wasn't a whole lot. It was kind of one of those, um, it's just backstory. This is how I test organizations if I really care about giving to them. So once I look at an organization and then I dig through all the research that I feel comfortable giving, um, and if I'm still not sure how I feel, I'll give them usually 20 bucks Because instantly, your heart, as soon as you let go of the money, knows. It's like, I want to give more. Or cool organization didn't really... I, I don't feel like I'm connecting with mm-hmm. it. It's kind of like a first kiss. It's an easy test. But not. <laughs> You're like, oh, um, they're a bad kisser. But there kisser. is something about being generous <laughs> that is a very clear indicator very, very quickly. Anyway, I gave 20 bucks and that wasn't a lot of money, especially in light of the goals that they were trying to reach. You know, it was like drop in the bucket. I got a handwritten card from the office that the place was in. I got a handwritten card from the ambassador over the state where we live, and I got a phone call from a third person saying thank you. Wow. And at that moment, I was like, what's in it for me is apparently that made a big difference, even though I know it was their system, it was their process, but the fact that they went so over and above over something like $20, or most people are like, how do I recognize the big donors? They went over and above and said, how do we recognize the donors who are questioning if it's going to make a difference? Mm-hmm. And that was like, what what happens if I give 100? Like, <laughs> I want to know more now. But then also, I had two different pieces of mail that I could physically hold that weren't just thank you for helping us. It was like, thank you for your generosity and for your commitment. And it was all me focused, even though mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be me focused, because ultimately, I gave because of who they are trying to help. It's sort of a weird kind of like pride, prideful thing, I think, that people carry around that being generous um, needs to be a painful process. And it, if it's not painful, it's it's evil in some way. And um, generosity feels good. I think it's OK and it's good for your organization to celebrate generosity, to thank people for their generosity and to show them through you know, real tangible stuff that generosity is not something to be uh, like ashamed of almost like Mm -hmm. it's only it's only a secret and it should feel really bad. It's it's just a weird a weird thing that that happens. Yeah. And I do think it comes from a background where people feel like I shouldn't go around parading my generosity. And I do agree with that. I don't like, want to be like Mr. Burns like throwing when I give, money I'm not like, during hey, the parade dressed up, up like Take Santa Claus. This. However, there's a difference between someone coming to you and giving a gift and being like, look how awesome I am. And you turning around to someone saying, look how awesome you are. 
Yeah. Those are not the same thing. And so if someone wants to come in and give something and they're very quiet about it, you can still make a big deal individually with them. You can respect the fact that they did it quietly while still letting them know what you did, even in quiet, made a massive difference. You need to very clearly know what you are offering the people that you are asking um, to donate to your organization. If you cannot figure out what that value proposition is for that person, um, it's going to be very difficult for you to get large checks or to get a large quantity of small checks. It really doesn't make a difference. You need to know. Um, it also matters if you are going to like a business owner um, or somewhere that does grants or different things like that. You need to know how to communicate with the language of the person that you're speaking to. If yep. I go to someone who's just like, oh, I'm I'm like a nice, like, I don't know. If I went to like, um, like my grandma and was like, hey, grandma, can you donate to this organization? They're really nice. She would totally donate to the organization. But if I went to a friend of but ours. Chances are she's donating to the organization because of you. Because of me. The value proposition for her is that her granddaughter is going to be really happy. And is giving her doe eyes. And is looking at her all pretty. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing. But if I go to a business owner, the language that I use <laughs> needs to be very just... different. It can't be like, I understand that you run a multi-million dollar business, but can you please donate you to do the, the organization same, same... because they're nice? Like grand, it, yeah, all that does is same. creates a guilt response. And mm-hmm. I think that's the guilt response is really the um, the one that things just kind of go to when the language isn't being spoken correctly. It, mm-hmm. it really is about thinking from the perspective of the person you are, for lack of a better word, propositioning with mm-hmm. uh, helping your organization. Donors, volunteers, staff members. You know, if you're asking somebody to put in extra hours, oh, like let's be very clear, their language. (laughs) I don't care who the staff member is; the amount that you are paying them is never enough for them to stay. You need to know what you're offering them. Yep, that's true for businesses, and that's true for businesses too. (laughs) The cult people stay for culture, people stay for the leadership, people stay for the community. They rarely stay for the pay. If it was only pay, they would be sending out their resumes behind your back trying to figure out where they can go to next because nonprofit work follows you home it just it does it it weighs heavily on you because it's important work and um that you need to recognize we need to recognize not just you we all need to recognize as nonprofit leaders as leaders in organizations that the people that are on staff and who work with us and that we we pay money we need to give them something more because we are asking something of their life, not just something of their time, which is like your normal mm-hmm. job yeah. would do. This is really, really good stuff. <laughs> I need to take notes on this. <laughs> this is a big conversation. So right now, what we want you to do is take out a piece of paper, make three categories, start with the people that you're helping. Um, maybe... You know, you might even be a business owner. You might have your customers versus your sales force versus the people that you're trying to get in front of who don't yet work with you. Um, figure out your three main categories of people. And for each one, figure out what it is that you're offering them. Um, and be careful. Don't try and be like, I'm going to be super noble and not be honest about the fact that my staff members, part of what I'm offering is their, is the money. Like, just be honest. You cannot, you cannot speak to someone in their language if you're not willing to acknowledge what their language is. And so look at it. So for nonprofits, look at who you're helping, the volunteers, 
and the donors and figure out what it is that you're offering each of them. And if you're not sure, go to some of your key people and ask them for feedback and see what they say. You can ask them, what's what's the biggest thing that you get out of blank? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your favorite part of giving? What's your favorite part of giving your time? What's your favorite part of um, helping spread the word? You know, and just ask the people what they like about your, you're going to start to get an idea, especially if you ask a bunch of them, you're Mm going to start to get an idea of what the value proposition actually is. And you will probably be surprised that it's not always what you thought, but you got to get an honest response from them though too. And I will say, yes. So the way that you ask questions determines the answers that you get. So asking a question like, what's your favorite thing about working here or being a part of this? Um, What's your... what makes you feel good at the end of the day? Those kind of questions are really good. Um, I'd say be very careful asking the question, why do you keep showing up every week? Because if you ask someone that, they might consider that and they might realize, oh, I guess I don't have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, also, um, I mean, you do got to be careful. And, you know, if you're finding that when doing a little bit of this reconnaissance to figure stuff out, if you're getting the the cheap answers mm-hmm. from people, you need to rephrase your questions and find out how to get real answers from people. Because if they're like you know, I just really, really like helping the kids. You just, why? Why is that? Why do you like helping the kids? Yeah, I'm always go three wise deep. Why do you like helping the kids? Well, because I just see their smiling faces. Why does that matter to you? Well, oh, because... my daughter had depression when she was younger. And what? You know, all of a sudden you get a real answer. You're like, whoa, she's like dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm helping her deal with stuff. And she's helping people at the same time. Yep. And this organization is giving her a framework for processing her life and doing it in a way that's helping other people and helping her heal through it. So um, yeah, create your categories, figure out what you're actually offering. If you're not sure, ask the people around you, but be sneaky about it. If you just go up and say, I'm trying to figure out the value proposition, what is it? Like, you're not going to get a real answer. So ask questions and actually have thoughtful, meaningful conversations with people that you're asking of. Um, With that, we would love to hear from you as you're putting these together. If you end up with seven different answers and you can't figure out the common denominator, uh, we'd love to hear from you and see if we can help. You can email us at office at LegacyBuildersintl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 